to Acts 20, verse 35. Believe it or not, you don't have to look at one point but the title, and you have to fill in the blank. Why is it important? And according to Acts chapter 20, verse 35, there's one word that is significant, and it's significant because we're told that you and I should remember the words of our Lord Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Today, I I want to you think about this for a moment, because in this house, we have givers and takers. Takers are those who have the mindset, well, bless God, Preacher Mike, if you can, bless me. If you can, entertain me. If you can, try to make me laugh. If you can, try to move me spiritually. Well, I want you to know that ain't my job. That's a taker. I just want to see what the church has for my youth and my children. And I just want to see what what you can do for me. That's a taker. But if you're here today and you want to be a blessing and you want God to use you and you want to be a servant, Now you're moving in Jesus' direction. Now you can start listening and hearing Him. Galatians 6, 7 and 9. Don't be misled, Paul says. Remember that you will always reap what you sow. Some of you are in here and saying, Well, I'll tell you what, last year I didn't have a whole lot. Well, did you give a whole lot? You might have got exactly what you sow. Sow confusion, get confusion. Sow gossip, receive gossip. Sow chinchiness and stinginess, that's exactly the way God will treat you. You say, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care what you believe. It's what Jesus said. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this farmer who planted only a few seeds will get a small crop. But he who plants generously will get a generous crop. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. You want God to bless you? Then be a blessing to him. (laughs) I can see right now some of you got a disease. You hearing me? You got a disease. What is it, Mike? It's the same disease that afflicted the church in 34 A.D., You know what it is? It's cirrhosis of the giver. Yeah. You got cirrhosis of the giver. You see, it happened with the husband named Ananias and the wife named Sapphira. The acute condition renders renders the patient's hand immobile when they're called on to move toward their wallet or purse in the route of the offering plate. Now, for some reason, this strange disease don't affect you at the golf course or while you're shooting birds or while you're on the deer stand or while you're at Walmart, Kmart, and all them other marts, brand mart. 
You ladies and men, your favorite hobby don't come into play in this disease. But when it comes to God's house, all of a sudden, you collect all the germs of this disease. Jesus, I think that's why he said, if we suffer such a terrible disease, for which only the cure is salvation and revival, he said in verse, Acts 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why is it important to give? I'm glad you asked. I don't have a point number one, but I got a bunch of pages. If you want God to bless you, if you want to get in on things that money can't buy and robbers can't steal and time cannot erode and death can't take away, then you're going to have to learn the whys and the whats and the wherefores of giving. You had no problem receiving the gift of salvation if you're a believer, did you? Well, then God calls us not after salvation to a life of giving. But yet, I like this verse, and I just, I just had to, I wrote it down, I had to read it. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge with enthusiasm, such love for us, Paul says, now I want you to excel in the gracious ministry of giving. You get that? Giving is a ministry. It's not manipulation from the pulpit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, we've been given spiritual gifts because we are spirit-filled if we're saved. And because we are spirit-filled... We've been given certain spiritual gifts to, to serve in that spirit-filled life. Paul voices these things in Romans 12, 6 when he says, God has given all of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the faith or the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If your gift is of being a teacher, then do a good job teaching. If your gift is encouraging others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift of showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. I believe on this side of heaven... We're sending on the material of our eternal dwelling. Some of you are going to live in a pup tent. There was a very wealthy man who came to a contractor, a friend of his, and he gave him a large sum of money. He said, now look, sir, I want you to build me a house. He said, and I'm going to be out of town the whole time. I'm giving you enough money to build it. Do a good job. The contractor, on the other hand, saw a way to make a little profit. He decided that he'd build the house using the cheapest materials, that he could cut corners everywhere he could, and all he was thinking about is having this large profit for himself. So when he finished the house, 
the wealthy man came back. He looked at the house. The wealthy man turned to the contractor and he said, You know, years ago, you did me a favor. You showed me how to become a wealthy man. And I've been looking for a way to thank you. To, my business has been so blessed that I am going to bless you. Here are the keys to the house that I want you to have. So here it is. You see, all the time, the builder was cutting corners. All the time he was skimping, all the time he was stingy the way he built the house. He didn't know that he was building the house that himself would live in. Satan convinces us that when we chinch on God or when we're stingy toward God and toward others, when we withhold from our giving, that we are prospering ourselves, but really we're impoverishing ourselves because we're investing in eternal things and we're building the house that we're going to live all eternity in. Are you a giver? Are you on the take? Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into their bosom. For with the same measure that you shall meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. The New Living Translation said, Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. That interesting. There are those of you walk in here. I think, well, yeah. Offering plate's already passed. Let me tell you what happened. Now, I don't know who did this, okay? But some of you get, oh, Lord, what did I bring today? Dear God, what I bring out is what I'm going to give to you. God, please let it be the dollar, not that $100 in my pocket. I just want you to know you do not have the spirit of a giver. You're a taker. You see... We ought to give thoughtfully. We ought to pray about our giving. We ought to make a deliberate decision based on prayer and conscious thought. I'm going to tell you something. If God gave you back on how you're giving him up front, what would you get? Hmm? You're getting exactly how you're giving, by the way. And that's how you're blessed. Some of you are blessed way beyond your giving. Preacher, you're a little rough today. Well, my father-in-law passed away, my best buddy. Some of you done lost love. It's about time I just come out of my shell and go to preaching. I'm tired of preaching funerals. I got one to do tomorrow or Tuesday, so I'll leave all that funeral stuff over there. Bob's up there. He, he, he built his house, what he did here. And so are you. Some of you, sting. Some of you ain't going to have a pup tent. You're going to live like they do in Atlanta in a box, paper box. You say, you believe that? Well, I don't know, but it sure sounds like good preaching. <laughs> I do believe in Malachi chapter 3 tells us that should people rob or cheat God? And how have we robbed and cheated God? You've cheated me in tithes and offerings. 
that were due to me. Due to who? Due to God. Bring all the tithes into his storehouse, his place of worship, his workshop. And when you do, I'll open the windows of heaven and put... Now, we like that part, don't we? I mean, God, just open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that I can't receive it. Well, then why don't you give if you want that kind of blessing? Well, I'm just too poor. I'm going to speak to you poor people here in a minute. Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, the first part of everything your land produces. Then will your barns overflow. Some of you are trying to get your barns filled before you're willing to empty your pocket. Every month I'm paid one check. And I take and I multiply that times point one zero. And I write that on a check and I put it in an envelope and I had to give it to Jason this morning because I wasn't going to get out here before the offering went by. That's my 10%. Now, all through the month, I carry a lit. Now, don't y'all come asking me for money. But a lot of people do. And I go, well, and we'll talk about it. And then and I give my offer all during the month. Sometimes it gets crazy. And I run out. But at least I'm giving my tithe and offer. And there's some of you saying, well, Brother Mike, I'll tell you right now, that's Old Testament giving, and I'm not under the law. No, you're not under the law. You're right. But 10% giving and offering is not law either. It's pre-law. Study your Bible. It's pre-Abraham. It's pre-Moses. It's pre-Torah. It's pre-the five books of the Pentateuch. See, I get to throw out my school every once in a while. Some of you say, what is all of that? Go to school, you'll find out. You see, the reason why you throw up that giving is Old Testament and tithing is law, because you don't want to give. Why don't you just be honest with yourself? You just don't want to give. So if you don't want to give, quit, quit trying to come up with some confounded excuse that's a lie in the first place. And say, I'm under grace by God. I'm going to give because I'm saved by grace. Well, I got news for you. That's more than tithing and that's more than an offering. That's sacrificial giving. You know what that means? That means you give until you hurt. I don't believe there's a anybody in this house. At least I hadn't seen it in the offering plate. Now, I don't look in the offering plate. I look at the total number. Boy, I know some of you had a big Christmas because it didn't show up at church. You take that however you want to. You're not cheating me. You're cheating him. Second Corinthians 9, 8. Then you will always be every, have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I think that's good. Well, Mike, I just don't understand. I'm so poor. You better watch what you say. You may end up that way. In just a minute, you'll see what I'm talking about. Turn to 1 Kings 17. We're going to look at one poor lady. I mean, she's poor. She's poor of all poor. You mean to tell me you think God Almighty would expect a poor person to give? That's exactly what we're going to read. Look at verse 8. 
Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the valleys of Zarephath. Now, if that ain't the way I, to pronounce it, then we'll just call it collard greens. <laughs> Near the city of Sidon, there was a widow there who will feed you. And I've given her my instructions. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow there gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a cup of water? As she was going to get it, he called to her, And also bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have one biscuit in my house. I don't have one morsel of cornbread in my house. Now, I want to ask you, is there anybody in this house that you don't have any oil or you don't have any cornbread in your cupboard or you don't have any bread or you don't have any food in your house? Is there anybody here like that? Because if there is, Jack will meet you after the service and he'll bless you with some taters. He'll bless you. You better listen to what I'm saying. This woman was... in. It's amazing. What my, my dad, the worst argument me and my dad got in, though, he said, Son, I can't afford to give. I'm poor. I said, I'd watch my mouth. God might wipe it. He might wash it out with spiritual soap, my daddy. And daddy got mad that day and wrote out a check. Now, this was years ago before he got involved in church. And he took that check and threw it at me, and I took and threw it back at him. I said, until you give that with a cheerful heart, until you give that with a good giving, you can tear that check up because it don't mean nothing. You're not impressing God, and you're not impressing me. Now, I know you ain't supposed to talk to your daddy that way, but God called me to preach, and, and sometimes I just got in trouble with all that preaching stuff. And my wisdom hadn't caught up with some of my stuff, or I'd never said that to my daddy. I'm just glad he didn't kill me. A husband was celebrating their 30th wedding anniversary. At the very same time, their 60th birthdays were going on. After all the guests had left and they were cleaning up after the celebration, they were standing in the kitchen and a genie suddenly appeared. I like him genie stories. He told them both that they could have one wish. So the wife quickly said, I want to travel the world. And immediately she had her hands in her hands, passports, airline tickets, transfer tickets, and a fistful of cash. Don't you wish it just happened that quick? Well, dingling that she married said, I wish I had married a woman 30 years younger than me. All of a sudden, he was 90 years old. Now listen to me. You better be careful what you say. Because you reap what you sow. You sow sparingly. You'll reap sparingly. You go around claiming poverty. And God just might give it to you. I don't believe there's anybody in this house that's poor like this lady was. Oh, you might be poor. When I was in Bible school, my wife and I, 
made $6,000 a year. We thought we were poor, but we didn't say nothing about it because it just wasn't on our mind. Run around poor mouthed all the time. We just were. And we went to Bible school, and we studied, and we prayed, and I preached, and, and we just did what God wanted us to do. I've worried more since I make good money than I've ever worried when I didn't have nothing. This woman didn't have anything but one little morsel of flour or meal and a little bit of oil. I think there's something here we need to look at. I I think there's something here we need to take a hard look at. You see, a woman today can get an education just like a man. A woman can do just about anything today that a man can do. You women ain't going to say amen? I give you a chance and you blow it. She can be a doctor. She can be a lawyer. She can be a welder. She can be a wrestler if she wants to. A woman can do many things today that in this day of this widow, she could not do. For you see, a woman was considered that was alone, penniless, and destitute if she had not a husband to provide for her. The church would not even give to her. Mike, you mean to tell me that God showed up with this woman and expected her to give. That's exactly what I'm telling you. She didn't have a job. How am I going to give if I don't have a job? She didn't have a job. But God called on her a mighty gift. Because the Bible says she was picking up sticks, gathering for her last meal. And then her, her, then her and her son were going in to die. Now, anybody in here on your last meal and you're going to die, again, we'll point you toward Jack. We will, be, we, will meet, we will become the miracle worker for you. Let me tell you something. The divine secret of prosperity is learn to sow in anointed hands. Now, listen to me. Elijah represented first place in that woman's heart. Elijah represented God. You want God to bless you? Then you got to give yourself first to God. That's the only way you'll ever experience a miracle on this side of heaven. You can pour them out. You can plan. I mean, good night. All we ever do is try to figure out and finagle and make God rich. God is already rich. He owns it all. He owns everything you got. You see, notice the word she was called on to give to Elijah first. You see it? First. 
when it comes to the Bible. We're to give first fruits. When it comes to the Scripture of Leviticus, God said, give the firstborn son to me. Proverbs says, give the Lord of the first fruits of all thine increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses break forth with new wine. There is a divine principle here, and the divine principle is, Elijah said, make me the cake first. Give to God what you're given first. Well, I can't do that. They'll cut my lights off. They're going to cut your lights off anyway. I know people that make lots of money to get their life cut off because they don't give their life and what they've got to God first. Why? So he can bless it. See, it ain't yours. Some of you just like that contractor. You're looking for ways to be stingy. You're looking ways to hoard. You're looking ways to pay your bills. When God says, hey, look at me. I'll take care of you. I didn't promise I would. But you can't do it your way. You got financial problems? Put God first. You got marriage issues today? Put God first. You want to help with your children? Put God first. You want to have victory in your Christian life and have power with God and have your prayers answered? Put God first. Quit trying to do it your way. It don't work. Make God the cake First. Malachi is the only one of the, comes to give in one of the few verses that talks about where God dares us to try to test him. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and prove me. Prove who? Prove God. Here, how with, or, or herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't or don't and can't receive. I like them kind of blessings. Most of us spend all of our lives thinking about money, planning about money, saving money, spending money, worrying about money, investing money, and using money. God says the large part of our lives when it comes to money represents our heart. Did he not say that where our heart is, there will be our treasure? So I'm wondering if God is not a little bit more interested in our attitude of giving than maybe he is the amount. What if God called you to give more than 10% or give more than an offer. Could he trust you? Could he? No, I ain't giving no more than a tithe. I'm not giving any more than an offering. Well, then you won't ever hear God ask you that because you have a deaf ear to him. He sure called on the widow's might to give it all. He called on this lady to give it up first. 
quiet in here, ain't he? I believe I could do a devotion. You know, some of us are guilty of being takers. And yet some of us are guilty about being givers. You see, takers eat better, but givers sleep better. And I not only want you to sleep better, but I want you to live a life of being blessed. Maybe you've heard about the two men that were marooned on a desert island and one man, he just kind of calm, and the other man, he just wringing his hand. He's worried sick. He said, man, I just don't understand how you can be so calm. He said, don't you understand? If we don't have someone to find us, if they don't come to get us, we are going to die. He leaning up against a co- coconut tree with a smile on his face. He said, all right, I give up. Tell me how you can be so calm. He said, all right. I just want you to know I belong to a local Baptist church. And I know my pastor well. And I know my pastor knows me well. And I give to that local Baptist church over $1,000 a week. I guarantee you that pastor will move heaven and earth to find me. I ain't worried about it. It is said that 90% of the people of the... This is all churches now. This ain't picking on us. But that 90% of all church folk that claim to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ allow 10% to do all the giving. It's not wrong, though. You know, I asked some of you to sign, help me, pay the debt off. And by the way, this is the first Sunday. We got two years. Part of me wants to walk like the widow with my chest poked out saying, you know what, solid rock people are going to get behind this, and we're going to have 300 people sign up, and they're going to give $10 a week, and they're going to give up a meal a week if they have to, or they're going to, some little girls in here are, are collecting trash, and, and others, some of the youth are getting behind this, and they're getting excited about it. And, but I got 40 names. Now, that's $40,000, and if you subtract $40,000 from even 300. That's $260,000. That means 260 people have to commit to do $10 a week for 104 weeks to, get our, to make our go and, and pay our note off in two years. The other part says they ain't going to do it. They're too stingy. I ain't going to sign it. And then there's some of you saying, well, bless God Almighty, I ain't putting my name on no paper. I can tell you right now, I ain't signing nothing. I ain't letting nobody know what I give. I just hope you understand that if you're saved, your name is on paper. And if it ain't, you're going to bust hell wide open. Because it says that if I'm a believer... My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I ain't ashamed of that. Can't believe. You know why you don't want to sign it? Because you don't want to give. That's okay. Don't spiritualize that junk with me. 
I'm a street man. Don't lie to God. Don't lie to me. And don't lie to yourself. With all that said is we need 260 more people to sign up. <laughs> so with a grin on my face, I'm not twisting your hand. I think we got a need. And I'd like to see a miracle. In two years, I would like to say, it is done. I'd like to say that. But the other says, you ain't going to say that. Ain't ever going to happen. Well, it's all in his hand. I pulled the trigger. And now it's on you. Are you going to give $1,000, Mike? No, I'm going to give $2,000. Well, you shouldn't let, you shouldn't. I just want you to know as a leader, I'm standing behind my, what I'm trying to expect you to do, I am. Mine won't be $10 a week. Mine will be $20 a week for 104 weeks. Let's, this year. Now, some of you going to, I know what you're going to do. To, to, to put your name on here, you have to, you're going to give you a tithe. You can't do that. If you do that, you're in disobedience to God. Because this is what I say. This is over and above your tithe. You can give your offering, but you can't give your tithe. Why? Because God says, put that in the storehouse. It's all right. Don't disobey him. Why? Because I want to see y'all get so blessed that we might do this in six months. I can tell you right now, if I died, my wife's going to have a hefty check to give this church. I ain't going to let her. T- I'm, matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm telling her, look, if I die, you just tied the whole thing. God take care of you. Don't you worry about it. See, any other thought than that? I tell you, we, we're looking for ways not to give to God. Every head bow. Every eye close.